Welcome back to the Jews Next Door podcast, where each month we explore a different topic of our parenting hierarchy with the goal of raising the next generation of passionate committed Jews. My name is Rabbi Aaron Shell, and this month we are going back to our parenting hierarchy, which we will explain in much more detail on our Instagram at Parenting the Jews Next Door. Feel free to check out that post. And we are coming to our final topic within this first level of laying a strong foundation with the topic of shalom bias, of marital harmony. I think shalom bias is, 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 is striving for unity. That, that's it. You know, just getting along, not fighting is, I would not call that shalom bias. It means you're not fighting with each other. It's not, it's not, that, that's not unity. That's just not disunity. <laughs> this episode kicks off this topic with the basics as we address what the ideal goal of shalom bias is and how that relates to parenting with Rabbi David Rosman, who is the director of Yeshiva Desha Torah and the author of Your Wife, Yourself, A Husband's Guide to Shalom Bias. Without further ado, Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of The Jews Next Door. We have the pleasure of talking this week with Rev. David Rossman, who is the director of the Yeshivas of Esha Torah and the Old City of Yerushalayim. He lectures internationally on marriage and other relationships. And Rev. Rossman is the author of Your Wife, Yourself, and Torah Connections, Reaching Your Potential Through the Parsha. And uh, it's really such an absolute pleasure to have you here to talk about, about Sean Bias and how the, the effects of that on parenting and really one of the leaders of our door to, to be able to speak about uh, raising the Jews next door. So thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me here. Really yeah. appreciate you taking Very the time out of, your, <laughs> out of your trip here. You know, it's, it's, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. So I guess, you know, before we even dive fully into the topic 100%, how did you get involved in, like, how did you come to writing a safer on this? How did you get involved in this in the first place? Okay, so it's uh, actually quite interesting. Definitely was not the plan uh, originally. <laughs> I was teaching a Gemara Shir in Asia Torah. Mm. And because the nature of the students back then, 18 years ago, the students were, some of them were even older than me. And really? uh, yeah, and they were just getting married. I'd been married a little longer than them. And as they saw me as their teacher, they started to ask me questions about marriage. I'm like, well, I'm the wrong guy for this. Uh, and, this is so crazy. <laughs> and they started asking me questions and uh, I started either referring them to other people or trying to answer them myself mm-hmm. and, and seeking guidance myself. And at a certain point, I realized that in the long run, I really know, need to know this information and be able to try to convey it in a proper way. So I, I seeked out or amongst different people in Yerushalayim and in Israel, who has like the best classes on Shalom Bayes that uh-huh. I could find. And someone referred me to Rav Yaakov Friedman, oh. the Rosh Hashiva in yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, they said he gives a class individually to every single one of his students before he gets married. Oh, wow. Uh. And uh, they said, he's not going to give it to you because you're already married. But right. I said, well, I'm going to try. <laughs> so I, I, I went to uh, meet with him. I, I begged him, basically, can you please give me the classes? And he gave it to me, even though it was normally given to people before they get married. Is that Rav Yaakov Freeman of, what's the name? Does he have, he have a safer on Chinuch? Or is that different? Yeah, no, yeah. it's a different, okay. uh, different person. So he gave me these classes and I was blown, literally blown away. Wow. And they were so simple, but it was so organized and categorized and everything just fell into place. It was, it was great. I almost like regretted that I hadn't heard that before <laughs> I got married. Right. Uh, so I made it my business. I'm going to start teaching this class. So I started giving a class in Asia Torah to boys that weren't married yet uh-huh. based on what ultimately it's supposed to be like. Right, right. How do we start preparing? Sure. Um, like someone once said to me, there's a custom to have a chasen shmooz right before you get married. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, really your chasen shmooz should start when you're three years old. And, totally. And uh, there's so much work that has to get done. Right, you can't right. wake up the week before your wedding and start <laughs> to learn how to be a good husband. Right. So I started giving this class and as the classes started developing, 
people asked me more and more and more questions and I had to start researching and, and talking to many professionals and, and starting to understand the topics more and more. And then finally I said, I just got to put this down to paper. I have to put it out. Wow. And the goal, the goal was to try to condense a lot of information to make <laughs> it as simple as possible. Um, but that's uh, just brought me to this place. And right, uh, right. I feel that a lot of people need this, basics even, just to really understand and totally. to appreciate our marriages. For sure. Uh, we have to invest a lot into it. 100%. You mentioned just now that you can't, you know, you can't like wake up like the, you have to, you know, it's got to start when you're even three years old. Why do you think that is? What is, what is that? Uh, most of what you need to know to have a good marriage is a lot of midos, character development, mm -hmm. uh, understanding other people, understanding how to relate to people, how to understand other people, how to deal with people in different situations. That takes a lot, a lot of growth and development and working on yourself uh, for long periods of time. So I can see maybe how we already are starting to make a connection between Sean Bias and parenting. Oh, they, you know. for sure. The best way to learn this is at home from your parents. Right, right, and, right. And parents don't even realize that the level of the influence that they're giving over to their children uh, throughout those uh, formative years. Right, right, totally. So well, before we even get into that, so I guess first things first, what is, what is your definition of Sean Bias? Like what, I mean, what, is, what does that mean? What's, a healthy, what's your definition of a healthy relationship? Okay, so I think there are two le levels. Uh, most people, I think, define Shalom Bayes as a uh, harmonious home where there's no fighting, it's serene, tranquil, peaceful. I think there's a lot more than that. There's actually, there's actually a, a book, a New York Times bestseller, um, The Seven Principles of mm. Making Marriage Work, right, uh, written right. by John uh, Mordechai Gottman, in the middle, he's actually Jewish. Uh, it's a phenomenal book. I read it a couple of times, and as I was reading, there's always one thing that was bothering me about, but I couldn't figure out what it was. And then at a certain point, uh, my second time through, I realized it was the title, The Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work. Uh -huh. Okay, you're so, saying, why is it just making it work? Yeah. Like, with, why is that, the, why is that the ideal? How's your marriage? Making it's it working. work. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's terrible. You know, right. like, uh, so they obviously, with marketing geniuses, they realize that most of the world, that's what they're, they need, that's to, what they want, they need right. to figure out how to make it work. But so that's one level for sure. But really, we're shooting for something way higher than that. Like we say, Ose Shalom Bim Romav that Hashem makes shalom in the heavens with the angels. Mm. What, what does that mean? They're not fighting, right? right? right. There's no disagreements. There's not that, no, no difficulties over there. Interesting. So the idea is that it, it means unity. Mm. It means um, becoming one. And there are all these different angels that are involved in so many different areas of, uh, of influence in the world. And Hashem is bringing it all together in one picture, perfect uh, mm. um, way. Wow, beautiful. So really the idea of shalom bias is to become a unit to become one with your husband or your wife. Right. Um, I feel like I once heard a shot that Adam and Chava, we started together and then we, you know, we're separated, but really the, the, the goal is we're separated in order for us to be able to make it back to being one. Yeah. It's kind of like that's what why I'm set up that way to begin right, with, right. to show us that's the way it's really supposed right, to be. Right, right. And uh, that takes a lot of work and, there's no such thing as after, you know, your first year, Shana Rishona, like, okay, now we're ready to go. Now we're good, right. You know, uh, Rashi says that, in the quotes of Gemara and Bar-Metzia, that when the angels came to visit Avram Avinu, um, they said, Aye Sarah Yishtacha. Where's your, where's your wife Sarah? And he, said, he answered, Hinei Ba'ohel. She's uh, back in the tent. She's private. She's Sanua. She's preparing for the amazing hundreds and thousands of guests that Avram and Sarah used to have, like, so the Gemara asks what the angels didn't know where Sarah was. Of course, right, they're right. angels. They, they of knew. Course, right. right. So the Gemara says, mm. To make her more endearing to Avram Avinu. Meaning, 
Avramavinu by going ahead and speaking, it, that, out, speaking right. it out where his wife was and who she is and how special mm-hmm. she is was able to love her even more. So uh, Rav Pam asked, he said, um, Avramavinu then was what, 99 years old. Yeah, right, like they, they were for, they were for, for a long time. <laughs> right. and this is Avramavinu who we're all trying to be like and sorrow. Everyone's uh, trying like he needed a little more. And right. The answer is yes. No matter how long you're married and um, as long as the goal is to hit this, this oneness, there's no end. And it could always become more and more and more and more. Right. And, and therefore, you always have to be working on our marriage. Anyone who stops at any point is just totally. not going to benefit from the, the awesomeness of what could be created. Totally. So what, what does that mean to be one? What's that in like a practical way? What does that actually look like? What does that mean? How does one attain that? I know I'm asking a lot yes. here, but what, what does that mean? What is it? What is that? <laughs> okay. So you know, just like our, uh, if my leg is bothering me. It has to oh, that's the, the famous. Yeah, uh... <laughs> exactly. Body of Levin. Right. Our, leg, our leg hurts. Our, our foot hurts. Um, but if my leg has to go to the doctor, my arms don't say, well, I'm not going. You mm-hmm. know, like it's understood that everything that's hurting you is hurting me. Everything that you're benefiting from, I'm benefiting from. Everything that's good for you is good for me. Mm-hmm. I understand you, you know, sharing. Very often a husband and a wife. They're, they're separate for most of the day. Right. You know, from the time they leave in the morning till they come back at night and then they go to sleep. Like, if you think about the percentage so amount they of time right. they're together, it's tiny, yeah, right? Yeah. So, like, how do you even have one life? So, you have to share. And that means each person sharing what happened in their day, what emotions they experienced, what feelings, what interactions they all had, letting the other person go ahead and share. It's getting, allowing the other person into your life, into your mind, into your feelings. What do you like? What don't you like? And, and always growing in that way that you literally feel one with the other. Like, you right. know what's going to bother your husband. You know what's going to bother your wife. You know what he likes, what she doesn't like. It takes time and it takes a lot of learning and studying each other. Sometimes people feel like, well, that's too robotic. That's not what marriage is supposed to be like, right. you know? It's not true. It, it's because uh, we all change and we all have different experiences. We all grow and we all develop different sensitivities. So we always have to be readjusting and learning what our spouse is feeling and thinking totally. about. And, and the more that develops, growing together with your spouse. Right. You might have an experience, an inspirational experience, right? Now you want to start taking on something, being more sensitive to something. Your spouse didn't have that experience. So if you're going to go like this, right, you're, gonna... you're deformed. You know, if you go ahead and you're, you learn how to influence each other without criticism, without, you know, no harsh way, but just growing together, you're able to develop as a, as one unit. Sure. Sure. And obviously what we're saying right now is obviously is, is the most ideal. But what if parents are just making it work? Let's say, let's go with parenting, right? How does that affect the, the parenting and the, obviously the Sean bias, meaning it, that's not, is that, that's not the definition of Sean bias? Meaning if it's just making it work, that's not Sean bias. Right. Sean always, bias is, 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 is much more. striving for unity. That, that's it. You know, just getting along, not fighting is, I would not call that Sean bias. It means you're not fighting with each other. Right. It's not, it's not, that, that's not unity. That's right. just not disunity. <laughs> right. So what is that, what is that effect of having unity have on the, on the entire home, on the children? How does that, meaning, because obviously great, the, the, the parents have this amazing relationship. So, I mean, and, and obviously, yes, there, the, there's the modeling component and therefore the children are seeing that hundred percent. Right. What is there, is there more to it than that affects in terms of your ability to parent in terms of the child's development, the religious development, all those different things. Is there, is there more to it than that? Again, we can take it on both those levels. Yeah. You know, the, the level of just getting along and the level of becoming a unit. Sure. So obviously on level number one, that's where it's the most, you feel it the most. Uh, I'll give you an example. Let's say a husband comes home from shul in the morning. You know, after davening, he stayed an extra five minutes to get a donut. You know, so, so, and he comes home a little bit late. His wife was 
waiting for him to come home so he could, she could run out to work, whatever right. it was. That, you know, they planned it out. So she's a little upset. You know, she's rushed. It's tense. The kids are home getting ready to go to school. And uh, she's upset that he came home a few minutes late. And he, she lets him know it. Okay. And he gets upset that she got upset. Right, he so, gets upset. So, right, right. okay. so now this whole episode could take three minutes. It's nothing. You know, it wasn't like high level fighting or anything like that. But you, you feel the tension. Yeah, there's a sound, and right. there was some words going back and forth. And the kid who's about to go to school just witnessed this entire thing. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to school. The rest of the day, that kid is going to be it's thinking. Like playing and through it over and over again. Exactly right. what happened. And it causes a certain lack of ability for that child to succeed even in school, mm-hmm. right? Wow. So the environment, the calm, serene environment that the parents could allow in, in a home has a major, major effect on, on a child. You know, the, I always like, the, even Ezra says something amazing in the beginning of Shmos. He says that the reason Hashem set it up, that Moshe Rabbeinu would grow up in a palace. Oh, right, right, a, right. Taharo, was that he could experience royalty right. so that in the future he'd be able to feel a certain, uh, you know, being distinguished that he could navigate all the challenges that the Jewish people were going to throw at him. Right, you know? right. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Like, like, we, we don't appreciate, I don't think enough, that the ambiance and the environment that we set in, in the home has major, major effects. So obviously if there's, we'll call it, you know, a lack of level one of the Shalom Bayes that we were... Uh, You're saying just the getting about, along. Just the getting along and things like that, that creates a tremendous difficulty for a child to succeed sure. in, in uh, every area of his life. Right, right. And then and then going to level two. Okay, so so level two is um, is interesting. Rav Hirsch actually has a whole piece about this in Pajas Kisetze by, uh, by the Ben Sora Mora. Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, so he, yeah. he, he, said, he, he learns that the, actually the whole section over there is all about parenting and teaching lessons about, really? about Chinuch, yeah. Oh. And, and he says that, for example, one of the halachos for Ben Sorimura to be an official uh, Ben Sorimura is that the parents have to have the same voice. Right, okay? right, right, so right, right. The simple explanation is that they actually sound the same, which is, is hard to it's, understand. It's hard to understand that, exactly. right, right. So he says what it means is that they're, they're saying over the same messaging. Just for those, if anyone who's listening, the Ben Sorimura is the, is the wayward the and wayward rebellious son, son yeah. right? This, yeah. this, uh, and, and therefore... Really, I mean, the, the Gemara says that it, it never actually happens, but just so anyone who's listening, if you're not familiar, it's someone's rebellious and, you know, has to go through a couple of different things in order to be considered a Ben Sormar rebellious son. And then eventually they get killed. That's like the event that's the, you know, but right. And, and the, basically the parents have to have warned them and spoken right. to them. And, and like, like you're saying that they have to have had this, this equal voice or same right. voice. Right? right. So, so a lot of conditions. So that's one of the conditions. So the first says, it doesn't mean they, that their tone is the same, that right. they're literally, you know, they both sound like men or both sound like women, uh, but it means that their messaging was the same. Mm. And if their messaging wasn't the same, um, then you can't, in many situations, blame the son. Right. How can, you, how can you hold the child accountable if they're exactly. getting two different messages? Exactly. Wow, that's so fascinating. Yeah. Wow, so, wow. so that's one of the ideas of the oneness, you know. Mm. So what, what's, a, what's a good example? Let's say... Um, we'll be right back to our episode in just a moment. But first, a word about our sponsors who so graciously sponsor today's episode. I'd like to thank this week's sponsor, Jump Into Shape. Moshe Moskowitz, you're the man. Thank you for being a dear friend. For most of us, work and family demands really take priority over our own health. And 
building a fitness habit takes effort and commitment. And at times we just need someone to nudge us a little bit. And that's where motion comes in. That's where jump into shape comes in. Jump into shape is an online fitness program with your needs in mind with close to 30 classes every single week, over 1,400 videos on demand from 12 minute classes to 30 minute classes. You can jump into shape wherever you are. It's incredible. They also have numerous women's only classes and with they're very modest and the classes include weight, weighted jumping ropes, body weights, abs, stretches, Pilates, kickboxing, weights, and much more. They, they literally offer you everything. Plus, they also hold you accountable. They have this personal touch. They have frequent contests. They have the daily stats, the weekly leaderboards. They create a community of healthy competition and fun, and it's amazing. And the best part is that they offer you free 30 days. So check it out. Three 30 days. I, I, I tried it and then I paid for it and I, and I stayed with it. It was amazing. It was incredible. I love the nudging that I was getting. It includes two weighted jump ropes, which retails for 129, an exercise mat. It's all included. And you get access, unlimited access to the live and on-demand classes for free for 30 days. So why not check it out? Check it out at jumpintoshape.fun slash free month. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. Your son comes, wants ice cream. Okay. So he goes to his mother and says, uh, I, you know, I want some ice cream. And she says, no, you're not, you can't have ice cream right now. Okay, so what does the child do? Goes to the father. Right? <laughs> so he goes to the father and says, can I, have, can I have ice cream? Now, if you know that your wife said Literally no, just said no. <laughs> even if you don't understand why, and you know, you're not looking forward to the tantrum that the kid is about to throw, if you don't share the same voice and say no, but you say yes, you know, or, or maybe, or whatever it is. Right. So all of a sudden, the child starts seeing this disparity and, right. and it goes ahead and will cause a, a lot of confusion. And uh -huh. obviously that's the same with different philosophies that are given over and different sensitivities. We always want to try to make sure that we're on the same front, even if we don't agree with each other, mm -hmm. you know, you could behind closed doors, you could speak to your spouse about, you know, why did you have to say no? Right. Or why can't we give it? Or maybe it is a good idea if we give it and, and, and talk it out. But in front of the child, it has to be one. Right. Um, where an, another example that I come across uh, a lot is let's say reprimanding a child. So one spouse could, one parent could reprimand in a way that's maybe a little harsher. Mm -hmm. The other parent doesn't like it so much, you know, like, right, uh, right. he's screaming too much or whatever. It's, it's too intense. Right. If the other spouse doesn't join on the team with her husband or her wife, um, so the child's going to pick up on it. Oh right. yeah. Mommy gets angry. Right. They're more intense. Daddy yeah, is more, more chill. Know, right. Exactly. Right. And, and it causes that also it causes taking sides and this and that. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't agree, maybe, uh, he shouldn't have yelled. Right. That again, that's behind closed doors to say, you know, sure, it'd sure. be better if we don't yell and, and I think it'll be more effective and we could talk about it. But on the front with the child, we have to be one and, and, the, and the child has to realize that we're together. We're mm -hmm. together in our decisions. We're together totally. in, in what, we, what we accept and we don't accept. And without that, so then it, right. it causes so lots down. of confusion right, and right. it starts the breakdown of the chinuch. Totally. So, you know, obviously we're talking about how there is this connection between, you know, Sean bias and parenting. Do you, do you think that, you know, having children can also maybe put a stress on the marriage at times? For sure. <laughs> but in a way that almost everything puts a, a stress on a marriage, mm -hmm. you know, going back to what we spoke about earlier, like why you have to start when you're three years old to prepare for marriage. Right. Marriage brings tremendous amounts of challenges. It, it, you know, it's not just that now you're living with someone 24 seven and, and you have to deal with every single 
uh, emotion and sensitivity in a very, very real way. You know, you right. can't like hide from it, etc. Um, but anything that comes now uh, to the couple is 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 a challenge. Right. It's, it's a new set of parents. Each one has in-laws, right? Right. That's uh, you know, people make jokes about it, but it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's a serious thing. It's, right, it's, right. it's a, it would be better not to joke about it and to take it seriously and try to figure out how can I cultivate and make the best relationships with my in-laws. Right. You know, like right. invest in in a proactive way. It's cousins, it's siblings. There's so many dynamics. That's before you have children. Right. Right. And then when you have children, you have the the same same dynamics. You know, there there's well because of what you're saying though in terms of like the being in sync and how important that is you have to be especially, I guess, careful about it when you have children. So I feel like it throws like even more so than all the other factors because other factors are somewhat external to the bias in a way. Right. Right? Just between you and your your wife. Exactly. exactly. But now it's, you're bringing in like, it's it's there at all times. Right. You have to really always be cognizant of it. And it's what you were saying before. Like you have to be one, meaning you have to be in sync at, at all times, but that's like, but it's specifically because you have to realize, well, we're also being a model now. And whatever we say and however we interacted every single given moment is like, yeah. it's magnified. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's like, a big deal. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, Rako Kamineski writes that the word mashpia, the influence, uh, comes from the word shefa. Mm. Like, uh, I'm sorry, from the word shikua. Oh, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Like, a, like, like a, an a slope, right. So he explains because like, just like the water on the roof, you know, on the incline just goes automatically. Like once it's up there, it just goes all the way down. So any influence that we have, it's just happening automatically. Mm-hmm. You know, our kids, they pick up on the, the smallest literally every nuance of every single thing that we do. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, so it, it requires a, a parent to like step it up right. in, in a very, very big way. Totally. And surely with their, with their spouses, because they, they if they feel that there's a little bit of tension, they, they feel it. They, they know what's going on. So it, it requires a husband and wife to really, really step up their game in a big way. I, right. I, uh, I try to do this for myself also, but I, I try to encourage others. You know, every person has to take care of themselves physically, right? If, if you're not physically in shape, if you're not healthy, you can't be as productive. Right, totally. So that a lot of us can understand. And if I don't get enough sleep, I'm not going to be able to go to work tomorrow. I'm not going to be happy, et cetera. But for some reason, when it comes to our spouses, they might say, okay, you know, I, I need to go to the gym. Or I need to go to a shear. And you're like, what do you need to go to a shear for? You know, you could, you could just watch it on tour anytime. Like, why do you have to go out right. to a shear? Why do you have to pay money to go to a shear? You know, it costs $30. You could just watch it for free at home. I hear that very often from husbands. Okay. Right. So, you know, they, they, they don't understand. Um, but they have to realize if, if the wife is saying that for her, just well-being, she needs to get out. She needs to be with friends. She needs to be physical. She needs to just be out there and and, and do things for her own happiness. Forget about for a second. You should do just for her anyway. Let's let's take that aside. Let's let's think a lot of men think in a business fashion, you know? So you're investing in your wife. That's going to pour over to your children. Right. If you go ahead and allow them to be physically healthy and be emotionally sound and healthy in their minds, so they're going to give over a whole different vibe and a whole different energy to your children. Totally. So like, if you think about it like that, again, forget about just, wow. you should do it for your wife. Such a, such a deeper way of looking at it though. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a big deal. And we have to realize that, that our state of mind and our well being is going to have a major influence, you know, and, and it has to do with love also. If a husband shows the love to his wife in the proper way, she's going to be able to show the love to her children and it goes both ways. It's, it's very, very important invest in, in your spouse in a significant way, just as a, an indirect way totally. of influencing your children. Totally. Totally. So, you know, what would you say 
you know, having, having that strong relationship, you know, I, it, on the level one of the, you know, just getting along, but not, and then the ideal, the level two of really having that unity. In, in what ways would you say that a, you know, we, we spoke about the, the different levels. We spoke about the level one, the, the, the getting along, and then the level two of the, you know, that unity, the, the ideal form of, of, you know, real shalom bias. In what ways does that affect the child's both, I guess, emotional development and also their religious development? So first of all, you know, it's like the in thing right now to learn about relationships and how mm-hmm. to relate to other people. And people always complaining that uh, kids don't know how to speak to friends and they're, they're busy on their phones or they're, yeah, they're yeah. texting, et cetera. They have to disconnect and, to connect. Right, right, yeah. Okay. There's a very basic chinuch education that could be given just from watching a parent speak to his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a famous story, which I never would say over because I couldn't relate to it, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to be honest. Um, that Shalom was Amon Orbach at his wife's funeral. Mm, uh, there yes, were thousands yeah. and thousands and thousands of people there. And he got up there and he said, you know, it's customary to ask uh, for forgiveness from, uh, from the deceased, but and I have nothing to ask forgiveness for because we did everything according to uh, Allah. <laughs> yeah, so, really. so it's an amazing thing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, I don't like telling stories that people like say, well, that's not for me. You know, like it's uh, okay. But then I heard a part two to the story which totally changed my perspective and everything. Okay. So there was uh, This I've never heard. I've, yeah, heard, okay. I've heard that though, but okay, this is... Okay, part two is as follows. Uh, Rishon Zalman had a student in his yeshiva. He was Rosh Yeshiva, and he had spoken to this student before he got married. And six months after the wedding, he went to the student and said, so how's your Shalom bias? And he said, oh, it's amazing. He said, we haven't had one disagreement. We see eye to eye in everything. Mm. Everything is perfect. So Shalom Zalman asked him, he said, uh, is, did you get divorced? So the boy, the boy looks at him like, huh? He's like, no, I just told you. Everything's amazing. No disagreements. Everything is perfect. It, it, everything's awesome. So he asked again, he said, did you get divorced? So he realized that the student realized something going on over here. So he said, Rebbe, I don't understand. He said, I, I just told you everything's amazing. He said, it's impossible that you don't have any disagreements. Right. So he said to him, Rebbe, I'm just following in your ways. You said at the funeral that you have nothing to ask Mechila for. You know, there's no fighting and no nothing. Everything was according to halacha. So I'm just being like you. He said, I never said we didn't disagree. I mean, how could you not disagree with your wife? You're a man. She's a woman. You grew up in different families. You grew up in different communities. It's impossible that two people, just from your background, agree on everything. And you're doing one thing during the day. She's doing different during during the day. You have different experiences, different interactions. How could it be that you don't disagree? It's impossible. What I said was that when we disagreed, and we disagreed plenty, we never disagreed in an inappropriate way. Oh, never wow. ignored each other. That's amazing. Never yelled at each it's other. It's an important postscript. Why is that not? It's a mitzvah of fire, so the whole world yeah. has to hear this. You know, it's like, it's, it's so, that's the difference. You should disagree. If you, and he said, if you don't disagree, that's why, and that's why he said, maybe you, you got divorced. He said, if you don't disagree, that means your wife, he's talking to a man, your wife is not sharing. She's too scared to tell her, to tell you what she really thinks. Right. So you've shut her up. You've closed her. Right. And therefore there's no relationship going on. Yeah, there's no yeah. sharing. So you have to disagree. A lot of times, and I find with my students, the second there's like a little bit of a, a conflict, mm-hmm. so they run away. Right. right? They, they say, oh, if I have to move out of my room, I can't stay in the room, I have to yeah, switch yeah, my yeah. class, I can't, right? The, the greatest way for them to learn how to disagree in a healthy, Toro dick away 
is if they see their their father has a, a you know they're sitting at the Shabbos table, the father says something, the mother says something, they they disagree, and they say, "Wow, that you know, I I, I hear what you're saying." That makes so much sense. Right. And if they really see a standstill, say, okay, maybe we'll go talk to someone to find out how can we resolve this. Healthy conflict resolution. Yeah, that's amazing. We don't teach in school conflict resolution, no, right? No, So where are you <laughs> supposed to get it from? Yeah, yeah. But if you see it in your parents, it's huge. Totally. I'll right? never forget when my, one of my friends, you know, a long time ago when, when we were in the dating stages, yeah. one of my friends was, you know, he's like, we just had our first fight. I, I don't think that this is going to continue. Like, clearly we're not meant for each other. We're, we, we had a, we, like, this is a big fight. I said, okay. And I, I was already married. I'm like, and I'm not saying I'm full disclaimer. <laughs> I am not perfect at all. But no, I said, I'm like, and like, that's obvious. Like, of course you're going to have a disagreement. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you can't be show him. And I said, no, no, no. Of course you're going to have disagreements. I said, I remember when I had my first disagreement, it's, it's scary. Cause you're like, well, it's not supposed to be like that. But the reality is no, it's supposed to be like that. And then to work through it. Right. If you can't work through it, right. that's when you have a real issue. Right. But right. if you can work through it, that's, that's amazing. Right. That's, that's that unity. That's Correct. really, that's Correct. the, that's Correct. the we're, real. We're exactly. We're not looking to hurt each other. We're not getting upset at each other. We're not jealous of each other. We're right. one, we're one unit. So let's talk it out and let's explain it and let's have respect for one another. You know, it's a big deal. It's like showing honor, right? Honoring people. So if you're in a store and you're with your child, right? And you're going shopping and, and you say, okay, you know, let's go buy this. And he says, look, why are you buying that? Because I know mommy likes that. So he starts seeing that you're thinking about yeah. your wife all the time. It's not, you know, it, it's when you talk to your kids about how amazing your wife is. Just like out of nowhere, not in front of her, not like the, just always giving over. What are you showing? You're showing the media of respecting someone. You're showing that importance, you know, totally. that, that value. Right. So the more that in the relationship, you're able to display the love and the care and the understanding and the flexibility right, to show they could be flexible. Kids are watching that all the time. Right. They see that, they understand what, it, what it's about and understand how to go ahead and do it. And Bezrat Hashem later on in life, they're going to go right. ahead and, you know, replicate that and resemble right. One that, of the that, biggest parts of parenting is modeling. That's it. Right. I mean, like really what they see is going to be, you know, the way that children, you know, boys in their house see their, you know, their father treating their, their, their mom is the way that they're going to grow up as husbands way that daughters see that, you know, that's the way that they're going to grow up to be mother. It's just, it's, it's so natural. It's a natural, you know, outcome yeah. of it. It's a, uh, it's the, I, yeah, very, very important. <laughs> yeah. In terms of religious development, how would you, what would you say in terms of that? So the same thing, I think, um, no one ever wants to just be like on the same plane religiously. That's what do you mean? Healthy. You always have to be growing. You always have to be growing. Well, how does, how does parent, how do parents give that over to children oh. to really... So if the parents themselves are growing and they're developing, you know, if I say Dvar Torah at the Shabbos table and, and my wife's like, wow, that was amazing. Right. So what do they see? They see a certain simcha in Torah. Mm -hmm. They see a certain excitement. If a mother comes home from a shear, says, well, I got to share with you something that I just learned. Right? right. So the child sees that there's this excitement for, for growth. There's an excitement for, for, for these values. And that doesn't just give over an excitement for Torah as opposed to growth. Meaning, So, so I think that when they see, when, when people are excited about things and they're going to do more, et cetera, that's part of growth. Right. Right. right? right. So they're seeing sure. their parents like, what do you mean? You're, you're 40 years old. You're 50 years old. Like, why are you still going to learn? <laughs> why are you still going to do this? Well, it's so important to me. I'm trying to accomplish more. Totally. You know, like uh, if, a, if one of the parents, if the father makes a seum, let's say, you know, on, on a Masechda, and the mother goes out of her way to try to make it like it's, it's so special. Like it just shows like this is something that we're doing together. This is something that we're pushing at the end of a long day of work. You're tired. It's difficult. And, and you know, your wife says, but I still want you to go to learn. It, it's very important for me. Right, you know, it, right. So they see that there's, there's growth or um, 
someone, you learn a new halacha, and they say, okay, I just learned this halacha, I never realized, I want to start to integrate this into my home. What, you finished yeshiva 20 years, right, right. right. there's a new halacha, or you, you come home and you say, I was talking to my Rebbe. I find this also very, very important. If, if people have rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, You're you saying know, for a child for, to hear a parent child talk. to see that his parents still have rabbis and, and spiritual mentors that they go to. Interesting. So they see that there's still more up there and there's still people that they're respecting above and they're, they're shooting for something more. They're taking on more in their, in their, totally, in their lives. Totally. They're becoming more sensitive about halakha. There's no end, right? Yeah. Hara. What, that's it. You can become perfect. That's no, you always are fine. always working on so it, right? they see that you're working on things. So they're going to see that that's part of growth. That's part of life. Right. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, people at a certain point, like they're just trying to maintain things. Right. That's a, a recipe for disaster. Right. Once, well, there's, you know, that's the, the famous saying, you know, life is like an escalator. You're either going up, or you're going down. There's right. no such thing as, as you're in the middle. It's exactly. just not, there's no such thing. Exactly. Like once you, if you feel like you're there and that's also like, was it just last week's parsha, right? Because Yaakov, uh, right. it's like, I'm good. No. So, and that, that was Dafka when you were, that is right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, at that, to, well, I guess at this point, whenever someone's listening to this, <laughs> but, but because, you know, that point of that idea of what, well, there's no such thing as, as, you know, status quo, there's no such thing. Right. right? So, so and, it's, and parents sometimes don't realize that it's important for them to articulate mm. their different things that they're, they're growing in. How do parents it, get used to that more? Cause like, I, I hear that. That's a very, it's hard for, it, it also feels weird. It feels like yeah, a little, a little maybe feel like vulnerable, vulnerable to, maybe yeah. sometimes guy with yeah, or, yeah. or, or if they are more humble by nature, it's like, it's weird to like talk about like, Oh, you know, I'm doing this. Or I'm trying to make on, take on a new halacha. Or I'm learning this and this, like it, it's a little weird to bring that up. So how yeah. does, so you know, every person has to do what's, they're comfortable with. I personally like to tell stories about, you know, I'll read a Pesach Korn story, or uh-huh. Pesach Korn story, and then I'll say like, wow, that's really important. You know, I really got to do that a little bit also. Uh-huh. You know, like, uh, Interesting. And, cool. uh, you know, if I feel like I haven't been doing enough Bikr Cholim, right? So then I'll, I'll say something, you know, I, I got to figure out like, I could help, you know. Like and this is what this is like at like a Shabbos table. Yeah, I was in a Shabbos table. I'll yeah. say it around. Uh, if I'm in the car with some of my kids, I'll say, I got to tell you a story I just heard, and and I'll, I'll try to share it, and I'll. And, and I'll try to show that. that I would like mm-hmm. to to take that on in, in some way. That's so cool. Parents, they can't assume. You know, we were saying before that it almost happens automatically. Like you said, like modeling, right? Yeah. But you can't assume that that's the only way it's going to go over. Mm-hmm. So it is important yeah, to yeah. mentally think about how I could give over a message and, totally. and how I could try to integrate it into my home. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's a very important point. You know, going going. I guess on the. You know, we just talk about like how it affects in a positive way, the religious development, the, the emotional development. What about, you know, on the flip side, when you don't have that show bias, either, you know, obviously, I guess there, now we, we, we broke it into two levels, right? So there's the unity and then there's the level one. So I guess like really to talk about both of those, how does that affect in a negative, you know, way when, when you don't have, you know, I guess, first of all, level two, right? If you don't have that level two, then what's that, what's that going to lead to in terms of the emotional development and also religious development? Because when you're dealing with the level two, so that's like the idealist form, but you're still getting along. So is it, you know, is that going to then affect the emotional and religious development the same way? Or is it more so only within level one that's going to affect the... Um, I, I think even in that, uh, that higher level of, of the oneness, they're not seeing what a real relationship is. Uh-huh. Interesting. You know, they're, they're, not, they're not seeing what, what, it, what, what it could be. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, when you see two parents that are, just like what, what, what they care so much about each other, they, they'll do anything for each other. They'll make sacrifices for each other, and and they just feel like they're investing and investing, investing. That's going to teach them what a real relationship is. Mm-hmm. They don't have 
that if it's just about getting along, so all the relationships are going to be blah. Right. Right. So I, I think that, again, they might have fight because they, they saw the level one, right. but they're not going to have. It's also not going to be a much of an emotional connection. So it's just going to be a, Correct. it's more of like a business partnership Correct. at that point Correct. than, Correct. uh, Correct. you know, I, I, like to, I like to say marriage isn't a partnership. It's a merger. Mm. It's trying there's to, a book I think called not a partnership. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, cool. There's, that, there's a marriage, a marriage book. Uh, I actually had him on a, on my my other podcast. Really? Yeah, had I had him on is Rabbi, Rabbi Doctor Yosef Lin. He has a whole thing of like marriage is not a partnership. Wow. Don't look at it that way. And he, like has a whole thing on it. Wow. Yeah. 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 It's like a, it's a merger. You know, it's like yeah, right. it's like a whole different. Uh, we're not just business partners and figuring it out and sure. navigating our lives. Right. Right. Totally. And then in terms of the the religious development, how would that? Uh, I think I think it's the same thing. You know, religion is very much part of our fiber. I know it's not two separate things right. with uh, with our lives. And the more they see that the fam, the parents are are one and have religious goals, and and uh, no, I'm saying more so in the negative this way. Meaning, oh. so in the in the negative component, like if it's if it's not a great shalom bias, either on the level one or the level two, how would that affect one's uh, you know the child's religious development? Ah, okay, so uh, this is it, it plays out I think, in many different ways. One of the ways that I've seen it is that when they see things not going, you know, going in different directions. The mother's one way, the father's one way. They're not, they're not in sync. They're not growing together. Sure. They're not, they're not one. So they don't feel that stability. Mm. And a lot of times kids take that, those ill feelings that they have and they'll turn it against Hashem. Interesting. You know, why do I have to be in a, in a home that's, uh, that's so confusing? You know, why, why would that be? Why would the, you know, I, I, I know I've heard the idea before where that, uh, that uh, the parents are the model for the, you know, the relationship with Hashem. So I, I understand that. Is that, is that the reason meaning that therefore a child's then going to automatically say like, oh, if this is how my parents are treating me and that's like my level, my figure of, you know, someone who's taking care of me and, you know, providing for me in that way. So therefore maybe that's the way I, that's, I can't relate to Hashem either. Is that, is that what it is or there's, or is it's either deeper than that or more simple than that or their value system is based on what they learned from their parents. When they see that there are things in their parents that are inconsistent, like an unhealthy relationship. Uh-huh. Let's go extreme for a second. Okay. They're yelling. They, they, they see, you know, they, they see, they could tell that there's, yeah. there's something going on over here. So they're not going to respect their parents. Mm-hmm. So if they're not going to respect their parents, they're You're not going to respect if, the if values. children are experiencing a house where there's a lot of yelling, they're not going to respect their parents? Usually or is it that not. they're going to, yeah. is it that they're not going to, they're not going to respect the parents or that they're going to, they're going to feel the tension. They'll feel the tension to resent their parents. They'd rather be in someone else's house, but there's no yelling. Right, right. Okay. I hear that. I hear that. Okay. So they're, at a certain point, the, the parent is not going to be their model. Mm-hmm. Now, again, at, at the age of six and seven, they not, may not be able right, to articulate they're not able to articulate that. At the age of 14 and 15, they can. Right. Can a lack of shalom bias affect the, the religious development in a, you know, in a negative way? So de- it definitely can. Uh, not, it's not automatic. But I think a child, as he's growing up, is especially when he's very young is modeling almost all of his value system, all of everything that he, he feels right based on what he's seen by his parents, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, His parents feelings towards money, uh, towards the Shabbos table, towards anything. Right. Right. Okay. So they're, they're looking up to their parents and if they see that there, there's all of a sudden a lack of Shalom bias, they see yelling, they see different things that are going on in the house. All of a sudden they start to realize like, is this the person that I really want to be like? Mm-hmm. Do I really want to model myself after, after my father, after my mother? And if their religious values 
is uh, based on modeling after their parents. Right. And all of a sudden their parents aren't that great person in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, that will start chipping away at a lot of their values. Right. right. Um, and you find that kids that rebel, et cetera, whatever it is, some, sure. some t- sometimes, no, you know, not always, totally. but sometimes it's based, uh, it's, it's based on that. Right. Totally. Totally. So I guess, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about it, but what, what would you say are the most fundamental things that one should keep in mind in order to build the Shalom bias? I guess, you know, within the, within this context of parenting, but just, you know, also Bichlal in general to, in order to build that Shalom bias. Anyway, I guess give us over everything you learned in those amazing <laughs> classes by, by Yago Friedman and uh, here we go in a couple minutes. Five minutes. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. I, I, the bottom line is I think it's that we cannot forget that no matter how long you're married, and no matter what stage you're in life you are, like I said earlier about Avram Avinu, we have to be investing in our marriages. Right. You know, I, when I was, at one point I was in the mirror, there was a Chabura that they said started from Rechaim Shmulevitz. He had like these, these married men, they were 60 years old and they used to get together once a week to discuss Shalom Bias. It's like, wow. it, go, it goes on to this day now that someone else gives the class. Wow. It, it was amazing. And uh, I, I got to sit in there once. It was it was fascinating. Like I never heard of that, that people at certain ages are still like taking classes, reading books on marriage. You know, people think that oh, I've been married for 20 years. Like if I have to read a book on marriage, it must mean I have an issue. Right. Right. No, it means that you're normal and you want to just make things better. Right. You, know, you always want and to make growth things, oriented. You're growth you wanna... oriented. That's it. It's a, it's a great thing. It's, it's, it's so beautiful. And I think that at every stage of life, we have to be learning about Shalom bias and, and thinking about our spouses and spouses needs change drastically mm-hmm. from before giving birth to totally. being pregnant to afterwards to when you have, you know, Baruch Hashem, my daughter just got married uh, this past summer. My, my oldest, my oldest child. Yeah. It was a whole new level of, yeah. of things that I had to work through. Like I never, you know, no one told me about it. It was, it was, it was, it was, Baruch Hashem was amazing. It was for a great thing, but it was a whole new set of, of dynamics that, that I had to learn and, and work together with my wife on. Totally. Um, so we, we're going to get thrown things all throughout our lives. Bezrat Hashem, that's part of the, the greatness of marriage. You know, the, the challenges that come along and overcoming them and, and working together with someone is the most beautiful thing in the world. It just makes you come closer and closer and closer. Totally. But you always have to be thinking about that. You can't think, well, I figured it out last year, so this year it's going to be perfect. Right, it right. just changes. These right. things changes. They're opportunities. Right, like we said before, and, there's, no, there's no status quo. Yeah, that's it. And, right. and, and the more that people could have that on their mind, to, to work on their marriage and grow in their marriage and, and, and get better, the, the more they're going to reap the benefits of, uh, and their kids will reap the benefits of it also. Right. Totally. Totally. Is there, what would you, is there anything like, I guess, within this topic of the connection between Sean bias and parenting that people don't necessarily think to ask? Every family is private on some level. Most people don't know what's going on with my kids in, in my home. I don't know what's going on in your home. Like right. we, 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 exactly, exactly. We're private and we work through things on our own. Sometimes though, and I've seen this in, in couples, they feel like an enormous amount of pressure because of a difficulty they're having with one of their kids. Mm-hmm. Difficulty could be in school. The difficulty could be certain behavioral things in the home. And they think that like, this is like, everything's perfect in every other house, but like, in my home, mm, it's, uh, so it, it, it's so, it's crazy what's going Especially on. Especially with social media. Correct. Like Instagram, it just, everything looks perfect. Correct. Amazing. Correct. That's so not true. Exactly. It's the farthest thing for the truth. Yeah. I always say, look, I'll be very transparent over here. Um, in Baruch Hashem, we have a lot of guests over at our house and a lot of students, uh, from the Shiva and from the seminary. So just, you know, people, people are coming over. So my wife and I always joke, like when my guests come over, my kids are perfect. 
literally perfect. Right. You know, they, if, if they could just watch what happens, you know, and, right. I, I, and the I second like, they leave, exactly. I think like kids are perfect anyway. I right. mean, I love them to death, but, but, uh, you know, when we have our own Shabbos meal, right. it's not as, you know, we all fight about who gets to sit where, like every Shabbos, it's, it's <laughs> an official min hug, you know, it's totally. uh, so, but my guests don't see that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you don't, you don't really know, you never really know what's going on in other people's home. Mm-hmm. And, and why do I, why is that important? Because a lot of times, uh, there's almost like a self-imposed pressure mm-hmm. that um, when I see something with my kid, I'm like, uh, like, what am I going to do? This isn't normal. This is crazy. You know, like, what we, and I think people have to realize that they could seek help from others. Um, they shouldn't be embarrassed. And very often they're going to find out that whatever they're dealing with is not such a big deal. And a thousand a hundred thousand other people are dealing with the exact same thing. So true. And a very small piece of advice can make a, a, a drastic, a drastic difference. I, I remember when uh, my, my, um, my oldest kids were much younger. Um, so I was trying to get them to sit at the Shabbos table and they weren't interested. Right. You know, they, they wanted to sit on the couch and wanted to read their book and whatever it was. And, um, and I'm like, this is dysfunctional. Like, I hear I cannot run a normal Shabbos table for my, I can't get my kids. Right. And I didn't, I really didn't know what to do. And, and I panicked and, um, I, I remember I went to speak to my Rebbe and I said like, look, what should I do? He said, leave them on the couch. I'm like, what happened? You leave them on the couch. It's a Shabbos table. <laughs> right. you know, like they're supposed to be there. You need to give over all the, yeah, like I have a hundred of our tours. I got to tell them. You know? <laughs> so, so he said, no, he said, you singing, there's mirrors at the Shabbos table and talking to your wife and, and whatever you're doing is going to be their version of what the Shabbos table looks like. They're going to be watching it from the, t- from the, from the couch right. and they're going to see it. You don't need them to be sitting there, you know, like, like the four, I never force my kids to say at the, at the table. Like it, it's, I don't want to be burdensome. I want it to be amazing for them. Right. So, and I, but that, it's an obvious thing, but I didn't think about it. Right. You know, I, I didn't think about it. I didn't realize it. I, I, for some reason ahead of my head, something different. Um, and I think it's, it's important for people to realize that they could ask other people for help. Mm. Um, and the more you could ask for help again, you have to figure out how to use that ATSA, that advice that was given for your own dynamics and your own family, um, infrastructure. But, you know, Marba, Marba Tvuna, the more you seek advice, the more understanding and, and, and better off you'll be. So I think like when, especially when husband and wife are talking through these things, and that'd be the first thing, like, how do, we, how do we get our kids to sit at the table and we could be talking and figure it out and try to plan and this and that. And if we just like stop for a second and realize like, maybe we don't really know what to do. Let's, let's, right. call, let's call, make right. a phone call to someone that has older kids, you know, right. that, that we trust. That we, and like you said before, to then even say that to the, to the children, to be open about that. Yeah, like, correct. You know, maybe we yeah. have to go. Yeah, I think, I think that's huge. I've benefited from it. I still try to do it as much as I can. You know, sometimes it's my fault for not doing it, but I try. Right. And um, I think that's something that people have to realize as private we are. And as much as my child is my child and no one else's. And, and I know my child the best, but I can learn a lot from other people and even together with my wife and, and we're in and we're one and we're, we're thinking the same way, but we could both realize together that we need some help hmm. and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean you're a bad parent. On the contrary, I think it means you're a good parent. Yeah. It wow. means that you really care and you're taking your role um, super responsibly and you want to be the best you could be and give your kids the best that they can get and, and, uh, and go ask help to yeah. work on it with other people. Amazing. Is there any other final message you'd like to share? I just think we all have to realize and remind ourselves like daily marriage is a, is a tremendous opportunity of, of tremendous growth and enjoyment and happiness and having children 
is a, is a tremendous bracha with a tremendous responsibility. And um, we have to remember that, you know, sometimes people get annoyed by their spouses or by their children. And uh, we have to constantly remind ourselves about how amazing it is and how much it's an opportunity and count our blessings and try to stay positive and, and ahead of the game so that when challenges do run, come by or, or difficulties come by, we have the strength and the energy uh, to be able to just build it and, and invest in it and allow it to be uh, to continue to grow and be amazing. awesome. Amazing. What a great perspective. What an amazing way to end off. Thank you so much. Thank you so much really, for having Really, so me. much really incredible are. wisdom here. <laughs> And uh, wow, really a major thank you. Really a huge yashikah. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Continued hatzlacha. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Jews Next Door. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. I'd love to hear your takeaways. Reach out to us. Reach out to me at yair at jenoff.org. Hi at jenoff.org. Check us out on the website. You could leave a question there. We'd love to be in touch. Please be in touch. Check us out on Instagram at Parenting the Jews Next Door. Hit me up on Twitter at yair Manchel. And we got, we're on TikTok now too, Parenting the Jews Next Door. So you want to check us out. We have some great content, a lot of really great insights into parenting, tips, parenting pointers, reaction videos, and quotes. We have a lot going on. We have a lot of articles. You want to check it out. Check it out at jenoff.org. You won't be sorry you did. And I look forward to hearing from you. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure you subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Looking forward to another great episode next week.